Well, hello there. I'm excited to announce my debut comedy tour. You know, I did start the tour pre-pandemic and then that didn't go as expected. So now I'm back on tour. I have shows in Long Island coming up. I have shows in New York City in two weeks. I got Texas, Buffalo. I have Nashville, Indianapolis, New Jersey. Go to hannahburner.com to get tickets. I'm so excited to see people in person and to laugh again. Um, Enjoy this episode with Rosebud. She is hilarious at one point we were sitting in the kitchen and he's so much taller than me and i was like you're like a ladder i get to climb and there's hugs at the top and then <laughs> i was like ew ew what the fuck happened to me <laughs> welcome to burning What's up, guys? Welcome to hell. It's me, the devil. You guys are the little devils. And we've invited Rosebud Baker to the dark depths. And I feel like she's familiar with hell. How are you, Rosebud? I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually zooming in from hell now. <laughs> um, no, it's not. It, it's my own personal hell. It's my mm-hmm. pretty nice. But um, well, you also have your own podcast called called Devil's Advocate. So I feel like we're just in the same realm of darkness you know what's so funny my podcast is probably as i mean people wouldn't people who listen to it wouldn't say that it's positive but i think it's really Mm. positive and then like (laughs) the reviews are like she's so good at like tackling dark topics and i'm like well i think i feel like i'm i feel spiritual like i go these are light for me yeah i'm like i should be a preacher when i (laughs) when i'm done i'm like should i go to like Catholic school or something or what I, I don't know how do you become a preacher you just go to Catholic school I mean you're, you're stand-up comedian it's very it's a thin line between preacher and stand-up but you're known in the community as like being being able to have like sick dark humor and I fucking love it so much what are some of your darkest jokes about I've seen some but I feel like people need to like fully understand where you're coming from I tackle death a lot putting down my dog putting down my cat <laughs> Not on purpose. I, I thought you meant putting down, like, um, insulting them. <laughs> you know, oh, like, like the ultimate insult. Like, <laughs> no. They're gone. I had, so, like, I tackle that, euthanizing both my pets. David Duke, I make fun of David Duke. Pretty much everything that depresses people, I find pretty funny. You have some exciting things going on. I mean, you were on JFL's Newest Faces. Newest funniest faces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> funny it's new faces. New, it's new faces. It was in yeah, new um, faces. In 2018. Yeah, in 2018, before the yeah. world burned down, you've been on Comedy Central. You've been on Amazon. You've been everywhere, and you found love, and you have podcasts. So, like, I look up to you as just like a crushing female comic. And you have a special coming out. Can you tell us about it? I can't give all the details. I I just did the special this weekend in um, Nashville, Tennessee, because that's where it's legal to do comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like, it's an album. But then while I was sort of organizing all of this, I saw all these guys putting their specials on YouTube. And I hadn't seen mm-hmm. a woman put their put her special on YouTube yet. And I right before the pandemic hit was involved in this like Netflix competition show Yes, where we were all like trying to, whoever won this competition was going to get an hour on Netflix. And I had mixed feelings about doing that because it wasn't exactly how I wanted to earn my hour. 
You know, mm. it's like everybody has an idea of how they're going to be offered their hour. And I, I just didn't, I didn't want to do it like that. I, I don't know why, mm. but it just didn't feel um, authentic to me. So I, when the whole thing happened, when the pandemic hit, it's not like I was like, yay, or anything like that. But when it came to that specific experience, I was like, this feels a little bit kismet. Like it didn't feel right that I was doing this and maybe it's a good thing that I don't have to now. But I still had seven years of material that I was like, I'm never gonna use this again after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. what, where am I gonna do? It doesn't even feel, it was about my life before the pandemic and I literally got engaged, married, got a new puppy, all this stuff <laughs> happened during the pandemic rosebud so I, the same thing happened to us my whole no. set was why i'm single yeah and now i'm engaged yeah and it's like you have all of this stuff and it's like what how are you gonna what are you gonna do with that so i just had to i had to put it on a, an album and throw it away and and just you know while i was letting it, it i was like let's film it and let's put it out and i, I let the trolls on youtube enjoy it for the rest of their lives yeah Exactly. My first memory of watching you perform was so funny because you were murdering, um, as they say in the community, murdering. And then out of nowhere, randomly, you were like, I'm so fucking sick of these jokes. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it because it's I just feel disgusting saying them over again. And I just yeah. thought it was so self-aware and so vulnerable. And so like you never know what's actually going on in someone's head because you were killing like everything was great. And you started something. And you're like, I don't want to do this one. But um, you guys are liking it. So I guess I'll do it. And <laughs> It was just so funny to yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, it did. It is. You do have those moments on stage where you're like, am I? A you like hate yourself for doing it. <laughs> like, am I a fucking birthday clown? <laughs> like, what am I? Am I like a, like a jester in the 1800s? What is my job? You know, because you, if you're not connected to your own material and you know yeah. it's doing well, it's like, I don't really get excited about jokes that I know do well. Anyway. It's like certain crowds that will laugh a little too hard at something that you don't think is that funny. And then you're like, who am I? Yeah. Why am I here? Yes. <laughs> I don't, do I like the me that I'm being? But I think that's great that you let that material go and you're also able to celebrate it of those seven years that like in the time was you. That yeah. was Rosebud. And you know, I was talking to my friend about this, Blair Saki, who I think mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. She's hilarious and i was talking to her about like old material and it kind of reminds me of you know when you see pictures of yourself as a kid and you're like Ugh. um and then you grow up and you're and you see those same pictures and you're like oh i wish i could like give her a hug that's, that's kind of how i see it when you're putting material out that you don't necessarily connect to anymore it's a way mm -hmm. of just letting that past self know that like yeah. they deserve to like be celebrated and yes. so stand-up's the only way that I know how to do that and it's a yeah. cool thing I never I hadn't thought about it like that before but I was having so much trouble getting through my material for the album and I was like mm -hmm. I have to find a way to make this worth it where I'm not just like doing the jokes and being like Ugh, ew gross I don't feel mm -hmm. like that anymore I had to change mm -hmm. my attitude about it like it was like and that's why you're also an actress <laughs> um, but it also was true at some point it's not like you're fuck I mean making shit up all the time right. were you did you have any other career before stand-up I did I was an actor and that was like 
sort of my job. It was like, you know, I was doing acting work on like non-union jobs mm-hmm. doing, um, I did an, I did a reality show with like my gay best friend in, Oh my God. When was that? Like, well, Oh my God. It must've been 2007 or something mm-hmm. I mean, it was, or 2009. I don't know. Anyway. So I, I was an actor and then I just decided I was with this guy who was like awful, who was abusive and who I tell jokes about now on stage. As one should. It. And, um, yeah. and I, he was an actor. And when we broke up, I was like, I want nothing to do with this world anymore. He turned me off to the entire thing. He would wake up every morning and like check his IMDb score and be like, who's looking me up? And it was just like, <laughs> I would rather catch him looking at porn. I, I would, <laughs> Like it's, there's nothing grosser to me than a man in a fedora, like looking at his own headshots. I just face tuning his own face. <laughs> yes. There's something so gross about that. I, and like caring about his acne more than you care about your acne. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge turnoff and it's called narcissism. I know. And I, my, listen, it's my favorite word. I do it. I'm I'm in it's not like I got out of entertainment or anything, but I do yeah. feel ashamed for being married to a man who has a headshot. And um Oh, so you guys were were married married. No, no, no. No, I'm married oh. now to another guy. Oh, now. <laughs> so am I. So, so, I mean, I'm not married yet. <laughs> well, it's funny. I feel like me and you are very similar, just more similar than different because we dated comics. Tell me if I'm wrong. Did you ever say out loud, I'm done dating comics? No, I never said oh, that. Oh, so why did you never say that, you sick fuck? Because <laughs> I'm not and you're wrong. Um, because... First of all, I would have said that to myself, but I have the benefit of experience in the sense that I'm a little bit older than you and I have I have also recovered from alcoholism and I know mm. when I say that I'm going to quit something if I mean it or not. And like <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I knew I knew that I wasn't going to go out with a guy who was like a regular guy. Cause I never have, I've never yeah. fallen for that guy. I feel like I'm out with my dad or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I even tried dating this guy who was like a fireman. And I was into that until he told me that he was really passionate about being a DJ. And then <laughs> and I was like, well, this is ruined. <laughs> He's like, I really like clicking buttons. I'm playing top 40 no, and he, then yelling random stuff. He tried Hannah. He tried to play his songs. He tried to ask Alexa to play his music after I'd fucked him. I was still, my titties were out. And he said, he said, (laughs) he said, Alexa, play, blah, blah, blah. And then the worst part, Alexa was like, I don't know who that is. (laughs) Alexa is like, artist not found. Um, you should quit. Like, you should know, quit and Google? the woman on top of you should leave you. Damn, Alexa. Damn. <laughs> Keep it to yourself next time. Wait, I love that so much. It's the voice of God right now, so you need to get out of my house. But uh, what do you think is the hardest thing about... This is such a corny question that everyone asks, but two comics dating each other. You've dated more than one comic. What have you learned from the experience of making it work versus why it won't work? I don't know that I've ever had something where like it didn't work. Like in the sense that I don't, every relationship that I've had that ended, I was like, 
no, this makes sense. This this yeah. is supposed to go past this point, you know. Yeah. Um, but in tr- like what makes it work, I think it's a lot easier if you know. For me, like I before Andy, I always dated black guys. So it's not like our material was going to be, it's not like they were up there telling jokes about what it felt like to be a white woman who grew up in the suburbs mm-hmm. with money. <laughs> you know, it's not like our material was going to be anything like one another. He's he's tweeting about like avocado toast and you're like, get your own material, bitch. I'm like, excuse me, that's my genre? <laughs> no. I just feel Can you like- stop appropriating my culture? Right. <laughs> I just feel like now it's a little bit harder because hey, I'm married. So it's not like if we fight, I can, there's, I have to fill out paperwork <laughs> to get out of this. Yeah, that's exhausting. That like gives me more anxiety than staying with the man. No, yeah. I mean, divorce would be easier if it weren't paperwork. Because <laughs> now I'm fucked. Now he has to be the guy that get, he has to do all the paperwork because I'm not going to do it. So <laughs> if we ever get divorced, he has to do all the work, you know? But if you're, you're you made a very valid point in that, like all the relationships that ended, you were like, I get it. That's why I think sometimes the weird like situationships that last like two, three months sometimes hurt the most because you can make up in your head how amazing it would have been if you two had actually like committed. But when you're actually with someone for three years, you're like, yeah, I've seen it all and I've done the research and the math doesn't add up. Right. And also. With the two with the two month ones, the three month ones, I would say even them, like, you know, I look at those guys and every single one of them was like not marriage material. Like it was very yeah. obvious. I'm like, you are yeah. forty plus mm-hmm. and never been married and mm-hmm. don't have kids. And every time I try to hint at marriage, you're like, I don't understand why people do that. And I'm like, okay, well, that's my answer. You know, yeah. I'm not going to change this guy's mind. Like, Were you ever afraid of being blacklisted by dating comics in the community and it not working out? Mm, no, because I I really am kind of a, um, I think, it, have you ever read about like the love language? I mean, the love attachment yeah. style things. Oh, yes. And I'm fascinated by it. I don't know that much about it, though, but. It was one of those things I was like, yeah, I should read that one day. Yeah, I so I haven't read it fully either. <laughs> we both don't know what it is, but let's talk on it. Let's, let's <laughs> Explain. Talk on it for a second, as experts. Uh, I don't, like when I look at that, I'm more of like an avoidant. I'm not like somebody that, I would find it way more embarrassing if I was like, in, oh, please, please, can we be together? If that, if anybody found out that I was like that with somebody, then I would feel mortified. You're like, then I'd not show up anywhere. Yeah, and it's like, I would I would blacklist myself. I'd be like, I'm just <laughs> public, no one can look me in the eyes. But I was pretty like, with everyone that I've dated, I've been pretty like, day back. Put a wall and, up, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, like hold me while I isolate is sort of my my whole, so yep. it's like none of them even got to know me well enough for them to have that much mm-hmm. dirt mm-hmm. on on me. 
so it was yeah because it, it really is like we're in a co-working space where there's like a lot of alcohol and fucking and podcasting where you can talk shit <laughs> so it can be like a dangerous place but it's also a place for people to thrive and to create together and it could be ultimately beautiful yeah how do you feel about did you, you were dating andy i remember before the pandemic yeah how did the pandemic either accelerate like make you guys or did you think it could possibly break you guys because I feel like a lot of couples dealt with that yeah I never really felt like it was gonna fuck with us I just when I met Andy I was not attracted to him even (laughs) I was like no thanks not interested he would like show up places and be like do you need a ride and I'd be like no creepy I I have friends who can drive like I would I was very rude And he was just like sweet. He was just like a sweet person. And I loved hanging out with him and me and him and Gavin Matz would go have family dinners at this place called Parm. And um, I love Parm. Yeah, it's awesome place. Bond over just some cheese. Yeah. Lots of cheese. And um, one night we were hanging out and uh, we left me him and Gavin left and they went on the subway and I was on my way home and I texted Andy. I was like, I wish we could have kept hanging out. And he was like, well, I could call Gavin if you want. And I was like, no, idiot. I'm talking about (laughs) like, I wish we could have kept hanging out, you know? And the next night he came to, like he was flirting over text. I think he said something like, I want to wear you like a gas mask. And um, (laughs) I was like, oh shit. He said that and I was like, okay, I'm wet. Um, (laughs) And I met him that night at like 10, like 10 or something. We were at the cellar. I was like, I'm going to take off. And it was that weird tense, tense moment where we'd been flirting pretty heavy via text. And he was like, do you want me to, I'll walk with you. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, oh, the L's down. And I was like, oh, that's convenient. And then he came over and we fucked. And then I was like, this guy's like the guy I want to be with. I, And I knew it because... I never had to try to be like less intense than I am. I never had to like, I love that for you. Like you, you, you could take up all the space and there was space for you. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I, I could have done that with other people, but I really don't think that the relationships would have lasted. Like, yeah. You know, I used to say to myself, well, I'm, I'm totally being myself with this other person. And it's like, if I look back, no, I wasn't. If I was upset or yeah. I felt like jealous or I felt, I always had to like make it, I had to like play it down or pretend like it wasn't happening. If Andy mm-hmm. mentions an ex, I'm like, well, I hope she's dead. Um, <laughs> and it's like, not not the comic exes that he's been with, but like, you know, women <laughs> met in a bar. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I hope she crashed her car on the way home and, um, you know. And he's just like, what is you're wrong so with right. You? Like nothing you can say can scare them away. It even makes them like you more. When I yeah. start started dating um, Des, he told I like you always have to know the virginity story. And I was like, so how'd you lose it? And he told yeah. me the story about when he was like 12 or 13 and this girl, Emily. And the, I just like something about how he was telling the story was like a little too emotional for me. And he ends yeah. the story and I go, 
well, why don't you just go fuck Emily then? Leave me and go fuck her. And he's like, she's in her 40s with a family. Leave her alone. So then whenever I'm jealous in any way, I just go, go fuck Emily. And I'm like, well, you could be any woman. And I'm like, go fuck Emily. Because he was like, I'd never like liked a girl before. And I saw her. And I'm like, yeah. Like, so anyway, but it's like I could embrace that jealousy and we could find a way to like laugh about it. Poor Emily doesn't deserve to be part of the fight. She doesn't deserve to be brought up right now. But I hope someone can understand and feels less alone after hearing that story. I fully understand that because you're asking for the virginity story. You're not asking for it to be like, like, you don't need to give me Warren. Your first fucking love. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wanted it to be like, oh, I, I, I hated it and it was weird. That's all I need. Yeah. And I was waiting for you. Third draft of the notebook fuck off and um also we have to just address can you give me the story behind rosebud the name yeah so i wish i could but i can't because i I grew up in a family full of alcoholics and everybody takes credit for it but it's a completely different story every time like (laughs) my aunt says that i went to go play in the garden every day and came back covered in mud and i would say the rosebud club is made of mud and that's why my name is rosebud i don't remember Mm -hmm. any of that don't remember my neighbor's garden so i don't Mm -hmm. know where that story is coming from my Mm -hmm. dad says that i was born um red-faced which he always leaves out the fact that um the umbilical cord was tied around my neck so i was actually just straining for breath but um (laughs) but (laughs) he said he called me rosebud because of that which i guess is like kind of cute if you leave out you know the fact that i was strangled you could have died um the moment i came into the world and um Mm -hmm. yeah those are my stories behind it but i i don't like it's just what i've been called since i was a kid Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's such a stage name and Mm -hmm. the truth is it's not i was called bud like it was Rosebud um, and then it was Bud from the time I was like three until the time I was, I mean, at least 17. So but that's what that's what makes me love you, because I feel like I love when people expect something and they get something else like you get on stage and it's like Rosebud's on stage and like you're very petite and you have like the cutest little bangs and then you just <laughs> you just go dark so fast and everyone's in shock and it just makes me happy like I have the warmest feeling people do this where they and I've noticed it so often we're like it's not okay for women to be angry you know it's like Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be like polite or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like caretakers Yeah. yeah and I'm like the most I, I like love the feeling of being angry. Like I get, I could get high. The feeling <laughs> of being angry. You'd be so good on reality TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're like, you just, it's like. Uh, it makes you feel alive. It makes you, you feel, feel like you have a purpose. You have to take something down. Yes. It's like cocaine. Like it really. Just, Are you sure you're not Italian? No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I wish I was. Mm-hmm. I, I'm literally mm-hmm. like, like fucking, if I did 23 and me, I'd get like a blank sheet of paper back. (laughs) How do you feel being raised with alcoholics around? Did you affected your personality specifically like the flight or flight or like dealing with anxiety and stuff like that? Sorry, this got dark, but no, I love this. This is my area Um, of expertise. So there is a, there's a thing where you're raised, if you're raised in an alcoholic home, you take on the um, 
the symptoms of that disease, whether you're drinking or not. Um, and by mm. that mean, you either strive to be a perfectionist and to people please, and you lose your identity in the process of that, or you swing the other way and you become this person who's terrified of any authority or any personal criticism whatsoever, or you do both and you sway between the two. So you just have this sense of like, I have no idea who I am. Um, I feel guilty for not knowing who I am. And I feel guilty every time I stand up for myself. So you're just in this state of like confused anxiety your entire life. Mm -hmm. And, and there's nothing to really, no one there to be like, to fix that because they are dealing with the same thing. It's like generational trauma, but yep. but it is, you know, where like ancestral trauma can actually, I think, make its way into somebody's DNA and then they have no idea. Like, you know how Holocaust- Yes, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, like people who survived the Holocaust, their grandchildren are more susceptible to like PTSD for, yep. and they have no, no idea why. I had a strong idea of why I felt the way that I felt, but the people that I would go to for help were causing it. So I didn't know, I, I really had to, my and life- they didn't find, they didn't know the answer within themselves because they were probably feeling a lot of similar things as well. Yeah, I mean, my mom got sober when I was in eighth grade and that kind of helped a lot. And I started mm -hmm. to look up to her so much and, um, and I still look up to her. I mean, I'm sober now, so there's, there's that, but like, yeah, my life didn't even really start until I like got out of my house, lost my fucking mind, and then ended up getting sober around like 23 or 24. Was there a person who might have inspired you to get sober? Was there like an event that made you make that decision? Um, no, that's the weirdest thing. Like, you know, when I got clean I remember it was like a night that I'd spent out and it was pretty tame compared to like other nights I mean there were nights that I came out of a blackout running at the edge of my roof trying to kill myself and mm. I thought I was being pushed but it was like yeah I was just running and, yeah um I look at those moments and I'm like I cannot believe the next day I was just like I was drunk you know <laughs> like, yeah. like I was just like oh, don't exaggerate don't get crazy yeah. you don't have to quit drinking but like, I really needed to quit drinking. And I didn't realize it until one night, I just, uh, I went out after acting class with a bunch of people, ended up by myself, drinking in the city. I don't know how I got home. Um, woke up the next day, crying, and like, randomly texted this girl who had given me her number while I was out in a blackout. I mean, I wasn't like completely blacked out when I met her because it was the only part of the night that I remembered. But she was in AA and I had invited her to come drink with me. And she was like, no, I um, I was a heroin addict. And I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, I guess don't. Um, that mm -hmm. sucks. Mm -hmm. And she had given me her number and I texted her and she was like, oh, come to a meeting with me. And so I just went, it was like, like noon that day. And I went to go meet her at this meeting which was happening at 6 p.m. And I just waited for her there until 6 p.m. I was just like, wow, I don't know what else to do. This is the only thing that I can do today that's going to make me feel good. So I'll just go to this and hopefully work. It's it'll work itself out. And I I just I haven't had a drink since then. 
Wow, cold turkey. And during those first couple months, were you dealing with emotions that you felt like you'd been suppressing? I felt like I was dealing with emotions that I've been suppressing for the first six years, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Six years for me to like go from just like sober to like someone who feels sober, who like, like I felt like I sort of had more of my shit together by the time I, I was six years sober. And it doesn't always take people that long. I don't, I'm not like mm-hmm. a shining example of like what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I was very stubborn. I, I wanted to do everything my way. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my mom was in the program. So I, I had like resistance to that where I was like, this is yeah. faulty and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but it was the only thing that fucking helped. So I couldn't stop going. And it just it just took what it took it took a long time it took a lot of relationships with guys who like i'd be like i love you and they'd be like why you know <laughs> and like me going to therapy working through that shit like all of my friends and myself we all identified as like victims in our lives mm. like we wouldn't take responsibility for the shit that we were doing to ruin him and i just learned really slowly how to do all that shit and how to kind of like I gave myself a parenthood when I was already an adult. Um, Yeah. Like I learned how to parent myself and kind of redid my childhood over the way that I would have wanted it to be. And that's like, that takes a lot of fucking, it it was really boring. And I was a really annoying person to be around during that time. I mean, if if I knew me back then now, Mm -hmm. I'm, every phone call would be like, uh, oh, God, here we go. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it- but like self-help is not this like spiritual goddess awakening that people make it look like on- online. Like it's boring, hard, sad, yeah. tough. And like it's it's you said six years, but I feel like it's going to be everyone's whole life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like three weeks where you're like, I get it. Like no one gets it. Right. It's like, like I've learned so much even since then that yeah. I, I'm like there's just been my life has completely like changed so many times since I was born I feel like I've had like you know 17 lives like since like- yeah what was your like mindset or where was your head at when you met Andy like what was your relationship with yourself when you met Andy like, do you think it was different than in the past? Because, like, it sounds like you were open um, to him yeah. in a little bit of yeah. a way. Yeah, I was, like, it's so funny because every other relationship I've had, I've been able to be, like, I was in this great place and <laughs> they just came to me. And honestly, with, with Andy, I don't know what kind of a place I was in. I, I just know that, like, I had been in a relationship for five years with a guy that I was positive I was going to marry. And the longer we were together, the more clear it became that like, that wasn't going to be a thing that happened. Like I was like Mm -hmm. five years already, you know, I, there's this like strained kind of way that we're communicating with one another and it, and we still really loved each other, but Mm -hmm. it was just like, it's not going to work. And I, and I knew that and he knew that. And we both just kind of got real with each other one day where I was like, it's not, it's not going to happen, is it? And he was like, I don't, I don't really see it happening. And I was like, well, then we should like break up before we hate each other, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like instead of waiting five years and ending it with murder. Yeah. I do think that it's the hardest breakup when you really do love someone, but you're like, do we want to do this for the rest of our lives? Like, are you my person that I'm on the couch with for the rest of my life? Yeah. And it was like, no, this isn't it. You know, Mm -hmm. too hard. We didn't want to try anymore. We both said we didn't want to try anymore. We were tired Mm -hmm. and like, you know, in a way that sort of made me feel like I was ready for something. Um, But it was, I think it was another year before um, I realized that Andy was like my guy. It was just, but that year I was just like, what the fuck? Did I walk away from the only thing that I had, you know, going yeah. or that was the only, that was it, you know? And mm-hmm. I fucked it up because I, it didn't happen fast enough or, mm-hmm. you know, was I just too impatient? And um, I think when you say to yourself, there's something really powerful about being like, this person is so perfect, but I feel like there's something even better out there for me. Yeah, like for you. Yeah. It's not that he's not he's not perfect for you. He might be perfect, but yeah. there might be someone more perfect for you. Right. And I was like, and he's almost it. But I but I just feel like this isn't it. It's not quite it. And there's something really powerful about like taking that kind of like leap of faith and being like I mean, my life's always worked out. Like things have kind of, it takes a long time. It doesn't happen on my timeline, but things work out. So if I walk away from this, I got to have faith that it, that this is going to work out too. And I think that's what made me ready. But when I met Andy, I was really in this place where I was like, it's never going to happen. It's just, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I'll just be a really funny bitch who's extremely lonely. And I'll just be giving out my number. You're like the self-deprecating tape. content will be prime time. Yeah, that's literally what I thought I was headed for. And mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing wrong with that life either. But well, I like that you said it wasn't your timeline, but it still works out because I absolutely I feel like timelines are limiting, and I feel like the timeline that's actually going to be right for you is so much better than yeah. a timeline you're like basing on because of like social norms and what I also like about Andy is you didn't meet him and like in your head make him to be something he's not like you really took the time to like get to know him as a human and then one day you were like wait I like this human because I've been guilty of like seeing a guy that everyone else likes and then immediately being like he's perfect and then you're like but not for me (laughs) yes I was thinking about this so much like and my husband's really handsome but like I you know (laughs) I always make fun of him because I'm like, you're balding and you look like a bird. And like, I'm always <laughs> constantly just like shitting on him. <laughs> but he really is like so handsome and kind mm-hmm. and funny. He also has a swag about himself that like he has a lot of confidence, you can tell. Yeah. And he's like, so, but I feel like women, we kind of like pick men the way that men pick cars in their life <laughs> this sounds like the beginning of a really hacky bit and maybe it is but, <laughs> um but like you know when you're like first driving like a guy wants a really fucking flashy car that like he mm-hmm. can go off to his friends and i feel like we do that with men and then eventually you're nailing you it place where you're like well he's disgusting um <laughs> and he's never gonna leave me on the side of the highway so 
this is the guy. <laughs> You're so, I always say like every girl has to go through the phase where you date like the athlete or like the model or like, and then you realize like this is the worst shit ever. But you have to do it because that's what Disney told you you should do. You have to date the Prince Charming. Yeah. Um, then you realize Prince Charming will ruin your life. And then you realize, wait, it's about finding someone who's a right fit for me. And I'm like seeing you and Andy also be able to be creative together and make this like fun relatable content and how you shit on each other <laughs> I, th- I think it's just I think it's so great not to bring up more bits but um I love fart jokes and I saw on YouTube you talk about how love is like a fart could you just explain the concept to me because I'm I'm very intrigued yeah so like I I feel like the act of falling in love I found it very embarrassing and mm. um, because when I fell for Andy, I fell for him really hard to the point where I was like, you were gross yesterday. What the fuck? <laughs> like, I was like, what did you slip in my drink? Like, I literally, I say this in my, in my special, but it's like, um, it feels like farting in public when you're like falling in love. Cause you're like, this feels good to only me. Like everyone around me, <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. And that is how it felt. <laughs> like everyone was just like, "Ew, bro. it's true." How people are disgusted by it. Like you start saying these things that you just like you read in a Hallmark card, and your friends are like, "Who? I need to get away from that." Because if that gets on me, I'm gonna be lame. Hannah, I literally said at one point we were sitting in the kitchen, and he's so much taller than me, and I was like, "You're like a ladder I get to climb, and there's hugs at the top." And then <laughs> I was like, "Ew, ew." What the fuck happened to me? You know? <laughs> oh, that is so good. Um, <laughs> so fucking gross, and um, and I just couldn't help it. I, he was he's too funny and fun, and I was just, you know, I couldn't help it. What is your biggest physical insecurity? Because you come off as you know very confident and like self aware, but I want to get a little dig a little deeper. Well, small tit women will hear this and be like, fuck you. But (laughs) my tits are definitely my biggest insecurity because they are, um, they're like a cartoon. Like Mm. when I, like, ugh, when I look at myself in like a tight shirt or like even in the special, I'm wearing a button up shirt that is like Mm. all the way up to my neck, but my tits are they want to be free they're just huge they are like really big and i like have to special order my bras because i'm like um because they don't make them like they don't make them Mm -hmm. because my Mm -hmm. look like they were just like like i don't know like maybe god rushed it i have no idea what the fuck happened (laughs) he wasn't like hmm let's just make this like more manageable for her Uh like i have shitty posture because of them I feel like you rarely show them off, too, because I saw, like, one photo of you in a bikini, and I was like, okay, Rosebud. I was like, I didn't know. And I feel like you put effort into actually not showing them. them. I hide them all the time. Do you, like, not feel like being sexualized by them all the time? Yeah, I don't want people looking at them. I feel like they're distracting. I feel like people don't Mm -hmm. take me as seriously. It's like trying to hide a live dog (laughs) that's attached to your chest, like a live puppy. Where people are like, oh, my God, look at those. Look at that. And you're like, no. You know, like, like, look at me. It feels it really feels like that. Like you're constantly being upstaged by your own body. 
And oh my God. I hate that. I hate that about them. Mm. I wish, I, mm. I mean, I looked into getting them reduced, but then mm. I also found out that that fucks with like their sensitivity and I, I like getting my titties sucked. So I'm not mm-hmm. really trying to like, you know, I'm like, I'll just mm-hmm. wear a sweatshirt and still. But in the bedroom, you're confident in them. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like there's They're... a time and a place for everything. And that is where they yes. shine. I've I've always felt that way, though. Like, I hate feeling sexualized in situations that I don't want to be sexualized. But then there's moments where you fucking love it. But it's just there is a time and place for everything. Yeah. Um, what's your biggest, like, emotional insecurity? Like, what do you hate about yourself? My biggest emotional insecurity is probably how sensitive I am. I'm like deeply, deeply sensitive and nobody knows it. <laughs> and, oh my God. And same. I've, I've done a, uh, a really good job of like, well, I feel like I've done a good job. Some people would be like, Andy would be like, mm, not really. <laughs> but I feel like I've done an okay job of like trying to balance that with like human logic where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, is this happening or are these just your feelings? And yeah, I was about to say like, does something happen in like a social group? And then an hour later, you're kind of ruminating about like one comment someone made to you. No, it's not that it's like, it happens over a long period of time where like, I'll start to notice, like, I'm a, I'm a person that people ask advice from a lot. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I, have a lot of experience and and I like to share it and I, I connect with people that way but then I end up kind of some sometimes feeling a little bit like a trash can like mm. people call me up and it's like I get dumped on and it's my fault because I allow them to cross my boundary over and over and over and over again and then I get mad at them for it yeah but it's like I've allowed it to happen and I've allowed it to go on for so long that it eventually I Kind of like, and it's like you're the bad guy if you don't do it. Well, I don't think it's like I wouldn't be the bad guy if I hadn't made such a big fucking deal of it. And then I end up being like, you can't fucking do this. To me. And it's like, whoa, they had no idea that I was feeling that way. I did this at my bachelorette party. <laughs> my friend. You're like, I waited for a good moment to lash out. And I thought bachelorette thought, party would be perfect. You know what? There's five of our other friends here. Let's do it now. And I. You're just, like, the male stripper doesn't care. Yeah. Just snapped at my friend where I was like, I literally yelled at her. I was like, I'm not, I'm not a fucking garbage can. And I just, mm-hmm. and then I stormed out and like slammed the door and came back. And I was like, I'm really sorry, everybody. That was totally inappropriate. <laughs> and, um, and I probably need to, we should probably talk at some point. She was like, yeah, yeah. You think? Just fucking psychopath. <laughs> but I do, some conversations you leave and you're like, why do I feel like I lost all my energy from that? And then some conversations you're in it and you feel like you get energy from it. And if you're not like aware of that stuff, one day you are left empty and wondering why and not acting like yourself, I feel yeah. like. And it's like, and then when I go through something, I'm so bad at asking for help or being like, I'm really in a bad spot right now. It's like my head always goes to, this is gonna pass, you're gonna be fine, you just gotta get through this and it's gonna be all right. And I, mm-hmm. um, and, or I'll throw myself into work, you know, like I, I don't talk about this, I haven't talked about it publicly except for on my podcast, but a month before the special, or. T- yeah, one one month before the special, I had a miscarriage 
And I was like probably 10 weeks along. And I oh, have wow. what is like called um, like a missed miscarriage, which means that um, I had no signs of miscarriage. There was no, re- there was no reduction in pregnancy hormones. Like my body was just continuing a- along as if I were still pregnant. And we went in for a sonogram and there was no heartbeat. And so we left this sonogram being like, holy fuck. Like I was like, I, I thought I was going to be like doing my special pregnant, have the baby, then be like on the road doing all this shit. And I never said anything to like, I said shit to like my closest friends, but I didn't say anything to anybody. I was like in the middle of just, I was like, just throw yourself into this. Literally four days after my miscarriage, um, you know, I had to go in for like the PNC. I was back on the road and I was just like going through the Midwest alone, crying in a car and then like going on stage every night, doing my hour, going to the next town. And it was like like that for like five days in a row. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, this is perfect because I'm totally alone in a, in the part of America that is, it looks, it looks like a place you go to drive and cry. Like this is, you know what I mean? Like it was just like, just snowy desert and and like Trump signs and just like, this is eating a Cracker Barrel. Like- I was about to say a Cracker Barrel. shit. And I was like, this is great. This is like really healing for me. People can't tell what I'm crying about. There's so many things to cry about. They probably think that like my veteran grandfather died today. You know, like (laughs) it's like, I was truly just, and for some reason in my fucked up mind, this was the perfect place to like heal. Yeah. And um, it's because I don't know how to just be like, um, I'm sad. Will somebody like hug me? I just don't know how to, how to do it. Yeah. And I, the only place I know how to do it is my therapist's office. And he keeps mm-hmm. telling me, he's like, you know, this is actually supposed to teach you how to do this outside of the yeah. office. And I was like, yeah, but this feels safe. What am I paying you for? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm so sorry about your loss, but I feel like so many women listening have had a similar experience and no one tells you what to do when that happens because there's supposed to be so much joy surrounding that moment it's supposed to be like the greatest thing and um i think so many women suffer alone because no like people don't talk about it i think it's starting to be a little more normalized but i feel like so many women we know have gone through it and just never told anyone because it's almost like i mean it's 20 percent of pregnancies and wow. first miscarriage. I mean, in the first trimester, if I don't talk about it, I, it, that's just not who I am. Like I'll, I'll talk about it after I've processed it. Um, but your compartmentalization is incredible that you were doing that every night, almost to the point that it's like a little, it's, it's too incredible. No, it's like, where- <laughs> it's literally built from like years and years and years of learning how to do Of it. having to do it. Yeah. And also, like, your hormones, not to be like, oh, it's hormonal, but they must have been all fucking over the place. And I would have been like, my specials, my most important night, God forbid, I, like, am am off and not fully, like, balanced or something. Like, there's so many things that, as a female comic, you have to worry about. I wasn't, I was, like, concerned about how much I didn't, how, like, I was like, I I don't care about the special enough. Like, I'm not, I'm not concerned about it enough. I'm just, I'm, 
I'm wasting my time. Like you had real life shit happen to you. So that could have helped you almost like, like prioritize and realize what's really important. Yeah. It helped in the sense that, what do you want, Mousy? Come here. Um, <laughs> sorry, Mousy was trying to climb on my lap. But uh, it helped in the sense that I was like, trying to just get through every day, just trying yeah. like one day at a time instead of like, what does this month look like? What does next month look like? What about after yeah. that? How long is it going to take to edit? How long am I going to do? I was like, what can I manage today? Yeah. Just today. And like, get how can I just get through this one thing? And it's incredible to me how like my best friend is pregnant right now. And she's going to work every fucking day until this baby comes. And I'm like, it is crazy what we're capable of when yeah. we, when our hormones are literally like drugs, like especially pregnancy hormones, those things will fuck you up. I mean, <laughs> oh, I hated being pregnant. I mean, there was a part of me, and I think a lot of women who have been through this can probably relate, where when you have a miscarriage, you are fucking destroyed and then another part of you will be like, but thank fucking God, I don't have to be pregnant. Holy shit. That was so fucking hard. You're, you're so tired. Mm -hmm. Food tastes like you are high all the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. That part was pretty fucking dope. I was like, I felt like I was <laughs> fucking my own mouth every time I ate. <laughs> you're like, who needs sex when I could shove any an Oreo in my mouth? For real. I was like, this is delicious. Like avocado toast is just like. I, I always wanted to be pregnant because I'm like, I get to eat for two and no one judges me. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm like actually being like a healthy person by being like, I have to feed someone else. Pass the fondue. Yeah. Pass me whatever it is that we got. Here. <laughs> I'm good. I'll have the whole left side of the menu. Thank you. Yeah. But you've dealt with like an astounding amount of grief in your life mm -hmm. from a young age till very recently how has that affected your relationship with like just life in general like do you see life differently or based on different times of your life that you dealt with grief has it affected it because like you've been hyper probably aware that life can end yes it has affected my life of course in um in major ways and also in very small ways like in the in the broader sense it's given me this appreciation for how every moment this sounds so cliche but i i it only sounds cliche when you don't really understand it in your gut because when you understand it in your gut it's like every moment is so that's all you have you have that moment and that's it sometimes i can appreciate that and at other times it's like it makes it really hard to appreciate those good ones, because the good ones are the good moments. It's like you always are aware of how quickly they're over. Mm. And then and that has affected me in the sense that I'll look back at things that I that I really should have enjoyed more. Yeah. And all I was thinking about was like, this could be over. This could be over in five seconds. This is it, you know, and uh, it's it's so funny because when I when the pandemic was starting right before that, I remember talking to my therapist and being like, I just have this fear that like everything's going to go away, like because it was like the best year of my life before that. And I was like, I just have this fear like it's all going to end. It's all going to fucking end. 
And the day that COVID hit, I called him up and I was like, I was right, you fucker. Like, I was like, <laughs> like I manifested this shit in your office. I was like, I'm a psychic. I fucking told you so, Peter. And, um, and then there's other moments where I'm really grateful because when something bad is happening, I'm able to kind of just go, well, it's a matter of time till this is over too. And yep. it's not forever. And uh, yep. it's, so it's given me this grace to learn how to deal with really shitty times in my life. But there's also, um, I'm, and I'm trying to, I'm working on this, like I need to learn how to appreciate the moments that are really good as mm. well. Cause I'm mm. never going to forget that. Yes, they do end, but like, so what? Someone it's, told me something that was nice to hear. Just kind of, it's definitely not a fact, but they basically said you're happy. Like 50% of your life. Yeah. And it made me feel better in that. Like one, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And two, to just accept that like some days are good, some days are bad. And that's called being human instead yeah. of trying to like control your emotions all the time. Like I'm not living my best life because I'm not fucking running around with rainbows and butterflies around me. Yeah. And then when you, something good happens, you know, like it's an up and down journey. <laughs> We're on a roller coaster ride. Yeah. And I think also some of the best moments you can always find negativity in. Like, it's so easy if that's just your perspective. And in some of the bad moments, you can find positivity in it. So it's all, yeah. yeah. Who, who, yeah. What is life? Anyway. <laughs> I totally get what you're We're not high, by the way. We're, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not high right now. I'm not. I'm also not high. I will say <laughs> that what you're trying to say, I totally agree with that, like, it's all neutral until we decide to label it good or bad. Yes. And there is something like it's a social construction, but it is. Yeah. And it's but it's really that's really empowering because you go if it's my choice mm -hmm. to make this a good or a bad thing, then yeah. I'm actually more in control of not the events, but how I respond to them more so yeah. than I think. You know. Yeah, things that and also things that bring certain people a lot of joy, bring certain people a lot of pain. Like like Christmases might are supposed to be the happiest time of the year, but for some people it's the saddest. Or like wearing a bikini can be like the most incredible feeling of self-love and it also could be like the biggest nightmare. Yeah. And just cuz you react a type of way about it doesn't make you wrong or right. Right. Yeah. But there's a lot of shame when you don't go align with what society wants you to feel. But Rosebud, you are crushing it. And we're going to wrap this up with a final game okay. called the seven deadly sins <laughs> to get even more hot up in this bitch. Seven deadly sins. What are you greedy about? Um, Attention. I can be very Same. about attention and um, and my belongings. Like mm. I won't throw any of my shit out, but Andy moved in and I, I was like, that's going in storage and that's going to go in storage. And he has like just his clothes here. And um, <laughs> the rest of his life is in a box in Brooklyn. So <laughs> do you find that you're materialistic? No, no. You just like things that, have like meaning it's more like creature comforts it's like there's i like to be surrounded by a space that i designed and that nobody mm. else really like because like interior design is like 
probably the thing I would do if I wasn't a comic. So when cool. Andy comes in and he's like, what about putting this here? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, why not? And I'm like, because you don't know what looks good. Like, that's why. I'm sorry. It's a specific taste to see a room and know like how to make the space feel a type of way. It's like people putting together outfits. You could like know what you like, but to put it together to be a cohesive outfit is very hard. So like it takes real skill to know how to do that stuff. Yeah. He like puts shit up and there's like no frame. And I'm like, ew. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not in college. It's funny because I never decorated any of my spaces like all my apartments looked like a hotel no 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 like a hospital room and people are like are you okay and I'm like I'm not gonna live here for more than a year and I would literally have nothing like nothing and then I realized how important it is to make your space special like to go home and just give that fucking little apartment some love so it is a form of self-love to give yourself a home yeah who are you envious of? it's more like a type of person where there's like, there's people who are able to just kind of get along with everybody where they're able to like, <laughs> I don't know if they're faking it or what the fuck they're doing. But like, there's people <laughs> who are able to just get through shit and like be dazzling. And I, mm-hmm. I look at those people and I'm like, I'm not saying I'm not likable. Like I'm very likable to a specific kind of person. You know, you mm-hmm. have to really appreciate authenticity um, to like me. You mm-hmm. gotta like, okay, well, I hate what she said, but she really meant it. And you have to like mm-hmm. appreciate that. But like, not everybody appreciates that. A lot of people want to mm-hmm. have a good time and they ju- they're just trying to have a nice <laughs> night. And I- To be called out. <laughs> yes, and I, I think I, uh, I really envy that kind of person. There's, they're able to be like, just likable like the girls gotta eat girls they're so likable like when i see them like everybody relates to them and and it's like they're just like dazzling you know Mm -hmm. i I hate to use that word but that's the word it's like i don't know why i hate to use it mostly because it feels like i'm i'm uh leaving a movie like cinderella yeah (laughs) you know what i'm saying like (laughs) she dazzled the room they are but also it's I feel like it is very perspective. Like there's no way there's anyone walking around that like doesn't have beef with people or people don't like them for certain reasons. Or maybe people are like, that girl's fucking dazzling too much and I don't like it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She over dazzled and it's, it's too much. Yeah. But there's, um, but there is something about that, that sometimes I wish I was able to like be that way. And I'm, I'm just like, not Nikki's good at it too. Nikki's really good at like, but she'll sometimes break. Sometimes when I see Nikki, she'll go like if she doesn't like something, she'll go and I get and I can see it. And I love those moments, you know, but she's good. At- well, but that's what's like, like I like about people is when they're not just like doing the status quo and they're being honest with themselves and they're showing their imperfections. And yeah. that's how people bond when and you both way, don't I'm like not, something. I'm not saying that the people who are able to do this aren't authentic. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. saying they're able to do it in a way that is authentic. And I'm like, yes. how do you do that? You know? <laughs> well, I feel like you're also one of those people that um can't fake your face. No, it's so bad. I'm like, I've, yeah. had, I've had people, friends of mine who I'm sitting at a table with them. You know, Mike Cannon. He'll, like, yeah. he'll go, fix your face. Like, he'll be like, <laughs> like that. And I'm like, 
Oh fuck! Because I've just been looking at. But the- even your eyes, I feel like just it'll say. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like. Even yeah. with Botox, you can't change. Nothing can happen. Yeah, I trust me. I've done enough Botox to try to freeze <laughs> the emotion out of my brow, and it's not it's not possible. I remember calling you out. I was like, "You have incredible skin," and you were like, "Yeah, Botox." And I was like, is that bad for like your performing ever? I'm, I'm afraid it would. And you go, no, no, no. I have a dry sense of humor and it makes my jokes hit better. <laughs> but yeah. I don't move my face. Well, that's what I'm telling myself anyway. I don't. <laughs> my dermatologist was like, all you need is the suggestion of movement. And I was like, that sounds <laughs> like it makes sense. Even if it doesn't. You know? I, well, I'm envious of you because you can pull off bangs. Yeah, well, I can pull off bangs, but I'll never not have them. That's the thing. Once you can pull off bangs really well, you never want to get rid of them. If you are meant for bangs, you, you'll you be like, I need someone in my will to fix my bangs at the wake. Yeah. Because I don't want anyone seeing my forehead ever again. Do you have to do the bangs like every day to make them look like that or your hair naturally kind of hangs? No, so like sometimes they're like, earlier or whatever but mm-hmm. for the most part they're just they just come forward they don't like do weird shit where there's not like a cow lick or anything yeah and, um and when i cut them for the first time i was like you know like in hook where they're like there you are peter like that's i did that to myself in the mirror i was like and you fell in love yeah i was like that's who you are you you're gonna look what do you feel about bangs getting so much hate online as like it's a sign of mental breakdowns for women um, I'm, they're not wrong. They're not. <laughs> they're not wrong. Yeah. But what do you say to girls who are thinking of trying out bangs? That that's the thing. Like, I think people. I think their bang thing has, like, bangs getting shit online is because women are just like trying them, and it's yep. like it, it's a lifestyle. It's not. A, it's not a try. Really go forward. And the bangs are all over the place, and you're spending a lot of time on them. That you you're not meant for bangs. The bangs. Yeah, that's how the patriarchy wins out. Because when you should be hustling or doing things that help you become a better person, you're fucking stuck at home, stressed out about your bangs, and you don't need that shit. That's it's not how women get better. Bangs are like plants. You just they do what they want to do, and you you try not to interfere too much. You know, it's like a relationship. If you have to force it, yeah, it's not worth it. Same with pooping. Yeah. What what are you gluttonous about? So, like, what do you overindulge in? Food, nicotine, TV, shopping, um, drugs and alcohol, um, excitement, (laughs) Instagram, Twitter, um, selfies. This is the best answer I've ever gotten. Like, don't let me interrupt you. Literally, um, Probably uh, interior design, research. Researching what? <laughs> just, just research. Just generalize. How does? How can my dog die? What are signs that my dog's dying? Uh, <laughs> like, is is uh is my dog's hair going gray because he's dying? Uh, <laughs> am Am I going gray because I'm dying? <laughs> yeah. Oh, thinking about the future. That's another mm-hmm. one. Um, mm-hmm. Thinking about the past. <laughs> like literally anything that you could probably indulge in, I've overindulged in. 
Yeah. My favorite was when you said excitement. Is it like you feel excited and then you just like dive into that emotion and you're doing those like little dances when you click your feet together? I just like, envision you doing that down the Brooklyn street, well, clicking like your any heels. Emotion. It's not any emotion. <laughs> so like if I'm excited and it's and I feel it's going away, I'll do something to create more excitement. Like I'll start a fight <laughs> with my husband or or I'll like like I'll be like, we should go skydiving. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, or if I, or I'm like, we should move. We need to move. Like if, and then start a fight if he says you can't go skydiving, and you're like, what did I do to you yeah. for you to try to control me like this? He's like, maybe we should wait until tomorrow to skydive. I'm like, you don't like anything spontaneous. Like I'm like, then it's then we're excitement. Then I'm excited about how different we are. You know, it's like anything, anything that is. Uh, an emotion that you can really fucking dive into, I'll I'll overdo it. I feel like what sucks about living with a guy is that he's aware of like all your ups and downs throughout the day yeah. and he'll call me out on it because normally if you're dating someone from afar, he can see all like the positive times you're in a good mood. You're like, oh, let's use this on him. Let's be all like fun and flirty. Yeah. Where like he will see me get fucking down and then something good happens and I get out of it and then I'm not shutting up about how happy I am. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I can't wait for the downward spiral to happen. And I'm like, let me fucking live. Yeah. So um, yeah. there's no mystery to my roller coaster of emotions anymore. A hundred percent. It's so easy to act like you're just this like fun loving bitch for when you have some space. Yeah. When you live together, it's like I'm most of the time Andy says, um, it's like being in the room alone because I'm looking at my phone <laughs> and he'll talk to me. And he's like, and I'll just, like, I can repeat something six or seven times and you don't even look up. <laughs> you don't even hear me. And I'm like, I, yeah, I don't hear you. I don't know what to tell you. Come over, shake me, do something. <laughs> it's not my fault. Like, then start a fight that's, yeah, it's his fault that he's not getting your attention the right fucking way. Maybe if he understood you or took the time. I don't know. Like, you're fighting against a carefully constructed algorithm. So be more interesting <laughs> than that. <laughs> I think I had a tweet once. I was like, I wish my boyfriend understood me as much as a Facebook ad. Yeah, truly. When was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger? Do you have an angry streak? Well, you you said you love being angry. Yeah, I do have an yeah. anger history for sure. Trying to what was the last thing that sparked your... The last thing that really sparked my anger in like a public embarrassing way was... Um, <laughs> the, I was doing a show... And I go in the green room and this guy who I've never seen before, I was like, hey, what's up? I'm Rosebud. And he was like, yeah, we've met um, like three or four times. And he just looked at me like, and it was like in front of everybody. And I just looked at him and was like, well, I'm sorry. Did we fuck? Like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, I got so mad because I was just like, why? Why should I remember you? What, like, first of all, we're at a show where everyone's in costume. <laughs> and second, what the fuck Second, I don't want to be here at a show where everyone's in costume. So like, let's just make this as easy for both of us as we can. The show with the costumes is fine. It's people who who are not interesting enough to be remembered, and they and then they get fucking mad. Hung out. I mean, he just said his name to me. When I'm meeting somebody for the first time, I'm not thinking, oh, remember their name. I'm just going, okay, it's a new person. Act like a human. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I'm not logging your name at all. I'm literally just reminding myself to make eye contact and smile like a normal human being. 
<laughs> he nailed it. So he I nailed it. Fucking mad at him. And then we haven't spoken since. I don't know if I've seen him or not because honestly, even after you can't that, remember I him. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, we're getting on a roll now. When was the last time you were a sloth? So, like a lazy piece of shit, didn't do anything all day? Yesterday. Nice. Why? Wearing the same clothes. Sweet. Um, but yesterday, because it was my birthday and I was like, I don't want to go out. I, ha- I had spent the entire weekend working on the special and mm-hmm. did the special. Felt like that was my fucking birthday present. And don't. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to. I didn't even repost stories wishing me a happy birthday because I was scared it was going to like invite more birthday texts that I would have to get back to. Do you think because we're in comedy and we we love the like attention that we need to earn we like hate that like attention like of a birthday where it's like we didn't earn this we don't need this there's some like psychological thing behind it like people singing happy birthday to me is my literal nightmare yeah or even like when i'm if i'm watching comedy and a comedian like asks me a question i'm in the crowd and i can't like be myself i just fucking hate that feeling of like attention that i can't control wait until you fucking get married it is (laughs) that is like i literally got married i was walking down the aisle people said i looked like i was late for work that's how (laughs) i was just like let's get this over with um yeah do the wedding thing i loved the dress i loved putting on the dress and getting dressed and like taking pictures but um and I loved like saying the vows and hearing Andy say the vows. Yeah. He was just, it was just amazing <laughs> to like be in that moment just with him. But the rest of it, the like walking towards him with my dad on, and my mom, ugh, ugh, I hated that feeling. And everyone just smiling, looking at you. I, because they have that to. Feeling. It was the worst. I was like, it's so funny planning. It, I literally was like, I don't want to do a ceremony. Make it like three minutes. I just want like the speeches and the eating. Yeah. Like that's what I'm chill with. Yeah. Oh my God. So, yeah. We've, and some, but it makes total sense for girls who like never get that kind of attention. We're like, we want to feel not good enough and then like change people's minds. <laughs> not be like, we need to be happy for this woman, even if we're not. Yeah. And we think the marriage isn't going to last. Like, I don't need that. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't want any of that. I mean, it's, Half the reason it took me so long to get married is because I want to earn the right to be like loved and that, that's fuck that fucked up belief system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the same way where like I have to work on not having to win someone's love, but just knowing I deserve it. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's the most beautiful boring. thing of all. It's boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's boring. I want to trick him and then have a strategic plan to deserve it and then be like i won yeah gotcha bitch right when was the last time you let your pride or your ego get in the way of something jesus christ (laughs) i mean like probably earlier today anything (laughs) what would you do there was an argument i was well it wasn't really an argument that my manager was a part of but i was having it in my head and um we were we were talking about the special and I was saying, you know, I really want this to happen. And he was like, okay, well, you know, we're going to try to do that, but it's possible that that doesn't happen. And, you know, I just want to make sure that you know that like, it's a possibility. And, you know, whenever managers say that, I just go, you're telling me no, you're telling me no. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. I want it. And you're mm-hmm. telling me no. And mm-hmm. you're trying to do it in this nice fucking way, but like, just say no, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, so I just kept 
being like, yeah, but it's pretty important. If we don't have this, then we're not going to blah, 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 blah. He was like, I totally understand. And he just like repeated what he had said the, the first time. And I went back again and I was like, well, I think you're not really being listened to. Um, and, and I just sort of like had that moment where I like snapped a little bit mm -hmm. and he was like, no, I'm listening. I want you, I'm literally only telling you this because if it's something I can't make happen, then I don't want you to feel disappointed. And I was like, well, you should have just said that. He goes, <laughs> he goes, Rose, but I said that four times. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. You did say it for time. So, so it's literally two people just having two different arguments in their head. Arguments where it's like what he was talking about was really logical and practical. And I was like in this world of like nobody listens to women and we're never going to get that I had him. Like I just went into this whole. And sometimes I lean on sexism to support my own ego. And that's when it gets really fucking ugly because it's like, mm. you, you know, you can't take feminism and and use it to like support a nasty thing you know it's like well to like enable shitty behavior right it's like taking spirituality and using that to enable like horrible yeah bit. and uh, yes and it becomes so ugly when something so good is like used to support something that's really pretty shitty well also if you're too aware of it it can you could get super paranoid in this industry like yeah. i feel like anything that happens to you you're like fuck is it because i'm a woman well, or like yeah. and it's and it yeah. enables this like victim mentality mentality where i start i start going back to like how i used to think as like mm -hmm. kid where it's like well i'm if i'm powerless then i'm just then i fucking give up if i'm losing i'm gonna unplug the fucking game and i'm mm -hmm. gonna walk out of the room and i'm gonna say fuck this whole thing and it's like no and that's just self-sabotage totally self-sabotage and it's also are you afraid that like your career is fucking hot right now and you've worked a long time to get there i sound like an agent right now i'm like yeah. it's fucking hot you're gonna yeah. be a fucking star so we're gonna make you huge 100 totally, <laughs> totally i'm so pumped up right now um are you uh, how do you think having a baby is going to affect that trajectory because like i've thought about this too like i mean i i'm terrible with my birth control tomorrow i could get pregnant right. like how do we feel <laughs> it's, especially it's really when our scary. job involves a lot of traveling it's really scary i think you know there's feelings that came up when i got pregnant that were like i haven't done enough i'm not mm -hmm. in a place where um any of the things that i have done are going to count towards anything because now i'm pregnant and it's going to undo everything and it's going to and the truth is i don't think we can really like i got to this point where i was like I don't think we can really fucking worry about that. You know, everybody talks about Schumer and Ali Wong and I'm like, yeah, but those are exceptions that kind of prove the rule a little bit. And, mm -hmm. but then I look at other moms who are comics, like, you know, Rachel Feinstein's a, a such a good mom and she's a working mm -hmm. comic and she does so well and she's constantly mm -hmm. working. And I, and Jessica Kirsten. Jessica Kirsten, who's also mm -hmm. kind of like a dad, but um, <laughs> like she does both. <laughs> yeah, 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 both. And she, um, and I'm like, this, it's possible. Like, it's also a lot of them have boyfriends that are their little children, so that says something too. No shit. I mean, <laughs> I really think it's like 
this industry is one that like, if we let it, it can really take valuable experiences away from us mm-hmm. that we we'll, that later on we're going to wish that we had because there's, if there's one thing that is fucking rampant in the entertainment industry, it's ageism and, mm-hmm. and it hits, it hurts women a lot more than it hurts men. Mm-hmm. It hurts all of us, but I think it hurts women a lot more. And I don't want to be sort of like, I don't want to work my whole fucking life to get this career behind me where all of a sudden people go, oh, well, she's not, you know, that's it. That's it for her. And then I don't have a family. I don't have kids. I don't have any of the mm-hmm. things that really matter. Sure, like your work, it counts. It does. And I'm proud of the work that I've done. But is it all that I want to do? It's like, no, I want to have shit to talk about. I want to be able to yeah. write books. I want I want all the experiences, you know? It's like, and you said it earlier. You were like, things will work out for you eventually. It might take some time. But I feel like if I were to have a kid, I'd figure it out. Yeah. Like, I would just figure it out. How do you feel like being in a healthy relationship right now affects the content you're speaking of in comedy? Because I it is I could I could do sad single humor like nobody's business. <laughs> and now I'm like, wait, I have to be creative and original. <laughs> you know, being happy as a comic, everybody goes, Oh, it's not helpful. Like mm-hmm. that's bullshit. I mean I've come up with some of the saddest shit you can think of as a happy. <laughs> you go, actually, everything's sad if you look yeah. at it in the right way. <laughs> you can, you can really. I love the way that being happy has enabled me to like explore different uh, subjects and and yep. and it's. I was in a relationship for the first five years I was in comedy, and most of my material, there's like probably 20 minutes of my special that's about relationships mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is about everything else family my dogs my political beliefs my you know mm-hmm. and none of it is better than anything else but I whatever you whatever situation you're in if you're a comic you're going to find a way to write and you're going to yep. find a way to write jokes and 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 it'll take you wherever you know you just listen to your life and you go what what's funny to me now what do i want to say yeah like your brain doesn't work differently just in a different situation like you're still gonna have that same critical eye right i can't wait to watch your special when was the last time you lusted over someone besides andy like do you have a celebrity crush or like a hot barista yeah totally um absolutely (laughs) you're like where do i begin every wait every time you watch who the nba oh yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you turn on a, a fucking basketball game i'm i'm good uh I'm good for the night it's like yeah. wow she loves basketball i had no idea you had such a passion i was watching no i have no idea i literally had to remember that it was basketball um <laughs> uh harrison ford i like had a moment with harrison ford it was it was a lonely moment I, it was on that miscarriage tour mm-hmm. um but I was like, he's doing it for me. There's something about him. He's he like, was there for you. Yeah. He's been 53 for like 75 years. <laughs> I don't know how or what's going on with him <laughs> genetically, but it's working. Brad Pitt, 
I love Brad Pitt. <laughs> I literally would go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I, I have no idea what happened in that movie, but I watched <laughs> the whole time. Neither do I. I was watching it on an airplane muted. <laughs> As you should. I can't tell you what the fuck happened in that. It was not. I was like, I don't care to follow the storyline, but I like the aesthetic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay to wrap this up because we've been on for a while but we were flowing we were vibing yeah. hell is our safe space um what do you do to ultimately cope with your hell you've gone there and back the little devils want to know mm-hmm. what you do i um personally have to go to 12-step meetings not everybody has to do that but i do um i go on walks i pet my dogs i get mm. instagram off my phone i get twitter off my phone Yep. I take a bath. I do a peel. Um, I love a face mask. Skincare, walks, exercise, dogs, spirituality. Those are my five. And what is your spiritual go-to? It's basically, I think it's like the those meetings. Like, mm-hmm. they're not exactly like God-focused. I mean, some people might say they are, but that's not what I hear. Um, like they're just they just remind me that i'm not the center of the fucking universe and that i'm also Mm -hmm. not a piece of shit like yeah it's just like i'm just a person among other people and i don't have to be more than that and i don't have to be i don't have to be less than that i can just be that i don't it's like nobody's thinking about me nobody's i'm not that fucking important (laughs) yeah i like to say when you're really down the dumps it's important to remember that no one gives a shit. Yeah. And it really puts some perspective on everything that you're just like, we're all just living, breathing plants. Yeah. Existing. Yeah. And overthinking at times. Yeah. And we need to be aware of it. But this was so fun. You're so knowledgeable, funny. Just I'm so excited. Tell me what people need to look for to watch you, to listen to you, to follow you. Give me the goods. Okay. All right. So I have... Um, <laughs> I'm going to put my podcast is find your beach. Um, I have another podcast called devil's advocate, which I'm not sure if I'm going to be continuing, but um, find your beach podcast with my husband, Andy. I have my special and my album is coming out. I do not have a release date yet. So follow me on Instagram at Rosebud Baker and you will see there if my album or what's the title of it. Um, Whiskey fists. <laughs> That's, that's what I think the title is now. I mean, it might okay. change, but we just filmed it, so I'll, uh, I will let you know when we have a release date. And uh, yeah, if you follow me on Instagram, it'll all be up there. And yeah, you're a great follow. We get a lot of humor, hotness. Check <laughs> it out. We're so excited. Thank you guys for coming to Hell today. It was a hot one, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>